Welcome to the Sensitive Kitchen, where home cooks are inspired to cook to enable those you love to flourish. I'm Cindy Sullivan, registered dietitian, passionate nutrition educator, and accomplished home cook. Whether you're changing how you cook for food sensitivities, allergies, intolerances, or just trying to eat healthier on a budget, you're in the right place. Most episodes, I will share favorite recipes, as well as modification tips and nutrition benefits. Occasionally, I'll have a guest or special episode like modifying holiday favorites. My favorite foods? They're raspberries and homemade chocolate chip cookies. My latest cooking project was long-fermented sourdough bread. Colorful fall leaves, winter squash, apple picking... It's one of my favorite times of the year. My favorite soup to eat this time of the year, at least to eat out, is Panera's Autumn Squash Soup. On the rare occasion we eat out on the road, I almost always order it. Last fall, I decided to make my own. Four or five different recipes later, I gave up. There were some good ones, but they just weren't the same. This year, I decided to try something different. I was not going to copy Panera's soup, rather create my own with seasonings I liked. I also did another different thing for my household. I used store-bought broth or stock. I've made my own chicken stock for years and years. But my migraine sufferer is not eating here on a regular basis right now, So I decided to give this shortcut a try and see if we reacted. So far, we are feeling good. Now, allergies in this soup. There are no major allergens in this soup. This soup is free of gluten, dairy, nuts, peanuts, soy, fish, shellfish, sesame, as long as you read the label on your soup stock if you don't make your own. Unintentionally, my butternut squash soup is AIP or autoimmune protocol and paleo compliant. This means I think it is honestly the best tasting squash soup. And it just happens to meet AIP and paleo guidelines. You are not sacrificing anything with this soup. You may need to change a few of the toppings for AIP or paleo, and be sure to read your stock labels if you're using canned stock. For those of you not familiar with the AIP diet, it's a type of elimination diet, then slowly reintroducing foods. It's called autoimmune protocol, and it's purported to reduce inflammation, pain, and other symptoms experienced by people with autoimmune disorders. It helps heal their leaky gut, removing potentially problematic ingredients from their diet. And then they gradually introduce them one by one to see how they feel. And this soup can be eaten when following the elimination phase of the AIP diet. The ingredient list is simple. Butternut or other winter squash. And sometimes I mix them in. I like to use butternut because it's easier to work with, it's easier to cut, and it gives me sort of more squash, more bang for my buck. But other winter squash will work as well. Garlic, celery, carrots, 
shallots or onions, apples, cider, broth. Chicken is usually what I use, but vegetable broth would work just fine if you want to make it vegetarian. Thyme and sage are the two seasonings that are listed in the ingredient list. But to vary the flavor of this soup, you can use whatever herbs your family enjoys. I suggest you start with these two if you like them because they're a great combination and they complement both the apple and the squash flavors. But you may want to also add warm spices like cinnamon or ginger, allspice or cardamom if you prefer. Experiment to find your favorites. To see what you like, you could make the soup as it is and sprinkle some cinnamon or some ginger or both on top or mix it into your bowl. The taste will be slightly different without cooking it, but it'll be close. For different toppings, you can vary how your squash tastes. My favorite is pepitas and dried cranberries. But you can use sour cream if you can tolerate dairy, either plain or mixed with a little apple cider syrup. You can sprinkle on top some cinnamon, ginger, cardamom, or a combination of those. You might try chives or green onions for a savory combination, or croutons. To make a cream soup, you can add cream or milk or cashew cream to the soup, but we usually eat it just as it is. You can also stir some cream or sour cream into your bowl if different members of your family have different dietary restrictions or even just different preferences. My parents often stir the sour cream, put a blob on top, and just stir it right into their soup. Now, to make butternut squash soup, I have two different preparation methods. For one method, you half the squash, scoop out the seeds, and roast it in the oven. You then peel off the skin, cut it into large chunks, and cook it with the other ingredients. The second method, you can peel your squash, take out the seeds, cut it into cubes, and cook it with the other ingredients without roasting it first. The real difference between these two methods is whether you have a sharp enough peeler to easily peel the squash and whether you want to cut it when it's raw. You always have to cut it a little bit when it's raw, but I can just make three or four slices and then roast it Or if you want to really cut it into small cubes, one to two inch cubes, and cut the entire squash. So it's really up to you. Both of them make wonderful soup. I just prefer to bake it first because it's a little bit easier on my arm and my knife, and I don't worry about anything happening in terms of cutting myself. So if you choose to roast the squash before adding it to the soup, here's my preferred method for roasting butternut squash. Now let me remind you that the recipe for the the entire recipe with pictures, including the pictures I'm going to describe to you now, are on my website, foodsensitivitykitchen.com slash episode 037. So take your squash, rinse off the outside, and cut off the squash neck, right above where the round bulb containing the seeds is. Cut off the stem and place 
the neck portion, cut side down on your cutting board and slice it in half. Of the other part, cut it in half and scoop out the seeds and the stringy insides with a spoon. I find it to go faster if I go around the opening of the squash seeds with like a paring knife, just go around the outside of it and then use a spoon to scoop out what's left all the seeds and clean it up. Place the cut side of the squash, all the cut sides, face down on a baking sheet covered either with parchment or a reusable baking sheet or coated in oil. Roast it for about 45 minutes in a 400 degree oven. Remove it from the oven, turn over the pieces of squash that contain the seeds. Stab them with a fork to see if it's done. A fork should go easily in and out of the squash. It's possible that the larger, thicker portions of the squash will take 15 to 20 minutes longer. Sometimes they do for me, sometimes they don't. Remove the squash that's done. If you need to place some back in the oven, do that. And it does depend how large your squash is, how long it'll take to roast. While your squash is roasting, prepare your other ingredients. So you'll peel and chop your carrots, wash and and slice your celery, peel and chop your shallots and garlic, peel and chop the apple, all those things. What I do is first I peel and slice my garlic and let it stand to let the allicin develop. And for more information about that, see episode 003. But remember, allicin is a compound that has health benefits, but it needs to stand for about 10 minutes or more before you add heat to the garlic. So I peel and slice my garlic. And here I'm going to leave it in big pieces because I'm going to puree the soup later. So I don't need to chop it really finely. I prefer to chop my celery next, placing it in the pot with oil on low heat to begin cooking the celery while I peel and chop the carrots. When the carrots are peeled and chopped, I add them to the pot and I'm stirring the pot, oh, every about five minutes or so. I then add the shallots and the sliced garlic when the shallots are chopped. And if you put your garlic through a press, wait until the shallots are almost translucent before you add the garlic. When the spices, excuse me, when the shallots are translucent, you add the spices and let them cook for about 30 seconds or so just to bloom their flavor. Now you don't want your spices to burn. So just after they become fragrant, quickly add some of the broth so they don't burn. Then add the rest of your broth and cider. As the soup continues to heat up, peel and chop the two apples and add them to the pot. Partially cover the pot and let the ingredients come to a simmer. If you've roasted your squash, it should be done soon. And as soon as it is cool enough, Peel the squash, cut it into a few pieces, and add it to the pot. Cook the soup with the squash for about an hour. It should just be simmering with just a few bubbles. And as a side note, you can roast your squash ahead of time and just store it in a bag in your refrigerator until you're ready to make soup. That's the first method. Method two is... You're not going to roast your squash, but you're going to peel it with a sharp vegetable peeler. You're going to remove the seeds and cut it into one to two inch pieces. So just like my directions I gave you, I generally 
cut off the neck of the squash right above where the seeds are, then cut the seed part in half and scoop out the seeds going around the opening with a paring knife, just because I find it easier. You're going to do everything else the same. You're going to cut your celery, put it in the pot with a little bit of acceptable oil for your family, start it cooking while you peel and chop your carrots, add everything to the pot, just like we've talked about. But after you add your broth, you're going to add the raw squash to the pot, and you're going to cook it for about an hour. After about an hour, take a couple pieces of squash out, some of the bigger pieces, and stab them to make sure they're completely tender. If they're not, just cook longer. Either method you've used to make your soup, you're now going to puree it however you want to do that. You might use an immersion blender, or you might use a high-speed blender or a regular blender. Now, if I'm using a blender, I prefer to use soup that is not so hot. Therefore, I usually make it the day before and puree it the next day. To use an immersion blender, you can do it right away. And I often use an immersion blender. The last time I made it, I made a double recipe of soup. And it took a long time with my immersion blender. So instead of say, I thought it would save me some time. It really didn't save me any time than doing it in several batches in my Vitamix. If you want soup with a luscious, velvety texture, puree it in batches in a high-powered blender like a Vitamix or a Blendtec. Both of these soups taste yummy and they freeze well. It just depends how smooth you like it. Some people like a little texture to their soup. This week's squash is on sale at my favorite grocery store. I have stocked up and I am ready to fill my freezer. I'm also going to try to put a small gold nugget squash in with my butternut squashes. For this week's nutrition tidbit, let's talk about the amazing nutrient profile of this soup. If that sounds too techy, I just want to tell you how good this soup is for you. Now, the nutrient amounts I'm going to talk to you about are for about one-twelfth of the recipe. Gives you about 160 calories and 30 grams of carbohydrate four of which are fiber. You need about 25 grams to 30 grams of fiber a day, so somewhere about 15% of your fiber for the day. It also gives you 6 grams of protein and 3 grams of fat. This soup gives you a whole day's supply of vitamin A, primarily in the form of beta-carotene. Now, beta-carotene, remember, is an antioxidant in its own right. Studies said don't use supplements of beta-carotene, but do eat foods that are rich in beta-carotene. And this soup is a powerhouse. In addition to providing the beta-carotene you need to turn into vitamin A for the day, you also get about 30% of your vitamin C allowance, 20 to 25% of your potassium, depending if you're a man or a woman, almost 15% of the vitamin E, 10% of the vitamin K, 12% of folate, 8% of calcium, 11% of iron, 9% of zinc. In other words, 
a whole slew of vitamins and minerals. This is really good for you, this soup. Now let's talk for a moment about sodium. Using a lower sodium broth, there's about 250 milligrams of sodium in one serving of this soup. Now this is going to vary a great deal depending on the kind of stock or broth that you use. If you make your own and don't add much sodium, it's going to be much lower sodium. If you use a canned or a a boxed, packaged variety of of stock, you need to read the label and you'll want to choose a low sodium at least. And they vary a lot in sodium. So the sodium is truly going to depend on the stock or broth that you use. In terms of what you can do to make this soup tastes different, you can really vary the toppings on this soup. So I already mentioned pepitas and dried cranberries as being my favorite, but I would love to know what you use. What did you like? What worked for you? Drop me a a line. You can go to my website, foodsensitivitykitchen.com, episode 037, Or you can email me at cindy at foodsensitivitykitchen.com and I would love to hear from you. Let me know what you think about this soup and how your family liked it and what you did to make it your own. Have a wonderful day. Keep cooking to enable those you love to flourish. If you found that this recipe or others were helpful, do me a favor and help spread the word. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.